Hello and welcome to the first of our podcasts from the Journal of Medical Humanities. My name is Deborah Bowman. I'm a professor at St. George's University of London and I'm also the editor of the Journal of Medical Humanities. In this first podcast, we wanted to introduce you to some of our editorial team. It's an exciting time at the journal. We've been recruiting some new members of the team. We've been thinking about the direction of the journal, its purpose and where we might be going with it. And I'm thrilled to be joined by two people today, both of whom have key roles in the journal. First, I'm joined by Georgia Bellum, who is heading up our new reading room section. This will be the section of the journal that deals with all things text-based, often books, but not necessarily. We may also be looking at magazines. We might be thinking about essays. We might also be thinking about the written word in more creative form. And also Khalid Ali, who is going to be the editor of The Screening Room. The Screening Room will be the part of the journal where we explore film and visual representations, film, television and other visual representations of health and health humanities. So welcome, both of you. It's a joy to have you here. Thank you, Deborah. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. What I'm going to begin with is asking each of you if you can just tell us a little bit about who you are and what role you've got at Medical Humanities. So I told the listeners a little bit about what I thought you were going to be doing, but what do you think you're going to be doing? Hello there, um, I'm Georgia and I'm going to be heading up the reading room section and I am absolutely thrilled to bits to be involved in such an exciting time at the journal. I'm, I'm a GP um, and I've always thought as being a doctor is an absolute privilege. I've really enjoyed my training and obviously I do love the, the science and the evidence-based medicine side of things but I think that there's just so much that we can learn from medical humanities about being a doctor, being a patient because obviously that will affect all of us and and, and just and just being a person, the intersection between sociology, psychology, philosophy, and how that interacts with our experiences of, of illness and, and health as well. Well, we're very glad to have you. Now, tell me about the reading room. What what is it? So it's a section of the um, a section of the blog, and what we're going to be doing is getting, for example, book reviews, I think is going to be one of the main parts of it. Um, and hopefully we're going to be able to, to get some some wonderful voices from around the world of, of medical humanities, from, from the world of academia and also from the from the world of the clinical side of medicine as well. Um, and to be able to explore what we can learn from, from books and literature and, and, and what they can teach us. And so we're thinking also, aren't we, about books that, that might be academic texts, we might be thinking about traditional books, so monographs, those sorts of works. Um, but we're also thinking about novels, we're thinking about prose collections, essay collections, poetry, etc. Mm-hmm. Poetry, absolutely. Um, and so that's the review element. And there will, I think, still be a space, won't there, in the pages of the journal for for books to be, uh, books and literature to be represented. Have you had some thoughts about that? Well, I thought that um, this is something that we've been been talking about, Deborah, that, that it would be lovely to be able to have some slightly longer, more in-depth reviews in the journal and also perhaps on the blog as well, just, um, you know, obviously perhaps based on a, on a particular sort of area of literature, but but go, going into the, the wider aspect of it and how history and culture have, have affected our, our, our views of, um, of, of the particular works that we're looking at, sort of, you know, more along the lines of the London Review of Books type, um, type, type reviews, just something a little bit longer that people can really get their teeth into. <laughs> okay, so long form essays, mm. that, those sorts of things. And Khalid, welcome. It's lovely to have you here. Um, so you're looking after the screening room. 
Yes, thank you very much, uh, Deborah. It's a real uh, pleasure and privilege to be here today. Just a brief introduction. I'm Khalid Ali. I'm a clinical academic. Um, I work as a senior lecturer in geriatrics at the Brighton and Sussex Medical School, and I'm a stroke uh, consultant. I'm also the aging research lead in Surrey and Sussex Comprehensive Research Network. And uh, my forays or my engagement with, with, with arts and humanities specifically is through film. Uh, when I started as a reviewer for films uh, showing at the London Film Festival since 2003 by covering films, watching films and enjoying them and then writing reviews for the uh, British Medical Journal and now to Medical Humanities and Journal of Medical Humanities and various others. So I will be uh, heading the the screening room, which is the, the film section in Medical Humanities. And my role is... Uh, <clears throat> First, uh, getting reviews for new films released, uh, contemporary uh, films and visual arts, not necessarily films, but TV work and visual arts in the broader sense. So uh, working with colleagues, with academics and non-academics across the board, clinicians, uh, doctors, patients, uh, as well, getting them to give us their views and, 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 and write on, on, on films that they find uh, enjoyable and with the learning message to the care of patients in hospital or people who we see every day. So tell me, why film? When, where did the love of film come from? Right, I, I think if, for me it, it's, it's a long-standing passion. Maybe it started when I, I was seven or eight when I, the highlight of my week was uh, visiting the local cinema in, in Khartoum in Sudan on a Thursday evening. Wait, I wait the whole week to go and enjoy these films. And back in those days, uh, the mid-70s, uh, Khartoum had, was exposed to a variety of, of, of world cinema. Uh, so maybe that, that's where I started with films. And coming to the UK in, the, uh, in 98, then I, again I was lucky to, to, to be introduced to the London Film Festival and starting the re- writing the reviews. Then I got to learn a lot from, from watching the, these uh, films, specifically ones addressing a medical viewpoint. First, I started off with um, the knowledge from exposure to this world cinema in terms of teaching, using a film as a teaching medium for, for undergraduates and postgraduates. And then I think it moved on to informing the care I give to, to, to my patients. I think that there's a focus now on, on engaging with, with, with patients, not just the, the physical uh, aspect of, of their illness, but the bigger picture of the emotional well-being in particular. And I think there's lots to be learned from the power of film in, in, in learning about people's stories and how you can use those ideas and, and, and those images and those stories in, in patient care. For me as a geriatrician and a stroke specialist, I deal regularly with difficult decisions in in stroke patients, feeding decisions, end-of-life decisions. And I found watching films which deal with those difficult ethical and moral uh, dilemmas, I I found films quite a powerful medium, again, of trying to analyse, to try to make sense of patients. One doesn't always think of film as a, a medium whereby you've got interiority or you've got someone's thoughts in the same way that you might in a book or um, perhaps in, in another art form. And yet for you, it's the most attractive 
or appealing way of thinking about narrative and story. Is that, is that I, fair? I, I, I think maybe I'm biased towards film, but I, I, I think film encompasses or embraces the storytelling, which is the literature, the book behind that the, the, the film that film was made of, the acting abilities, the the script writing. So I'm learning from the technique of the film itself in in, in my field of work, not in the clinical care of, of patients, but in, in, in writing grant applications and funding applications in terms of the methods that, for example, the script writer or the director used in, in presenting a story and, I, and in presenting a, in the academic field is the hypothesis. What we start off as a scientific idea that you want to to prove or disprove. So, so I see a lot, lots of similarities between the film structure itself and, and work of academics. If someone were listening to this, what one film would you say you've got to see that you've got to see it? It's, it sums up all these things that I've just been talking about. Th- th- that's a difficult question because uh, but I'm uh, going to make you answer <laughs> just one. <laughs> Maybe I'll just mention the, uh, one of the most recent one, Nebraska last year, 2013, which addressed issues of uh, aging, uh, memory loss, family relationships in in a very poignant and uh, humane way. I learned a lot from watching that film and I I really recommend it to my students, to my friends and colleagues. And now to everyone else. (laughs) Indeed. Georgia, you looked like you were going to say something. I was just going to say that there's a wonderful film called L'Amour, a French film about the experiences of somebody with dementia and end-of-life care that was tremendously touching and so that was something that I really enjoyed recently. And there have been some fantastic books as well, haven't there? Some fantastic novels, um, Finding Alice, I think. I recently read that. Which is wonderful. (laughs) I was recommended Um, it by, um, by, by a friend and uh, I, it, it's it's tremendously um, just to hear to hear that voice and to hear the experiences that she went through um, it just marvelous taught me a lot actually. <laughs> I have to add then another one and then I have to mention a, a British film or a TV series. We're not talking about only film, but Last Tango in Halifax. This was a TV series that really portrayed uh, old age and aging issues and family relationships in a fantastic way. So I, I do recommend that one as well. And even when you've both spent busy days, you're both clinicians, so you've had long days, clinical contact, you don't mind going home, reading, watching medically related books and films that still appeals to you? I think that, um, I mean, obviously, to an extent, medical education has to, um, you know, ha- has to obviously have a huge amount of um, of, of science and categorization and, and the sort of, you, you, you need to have that slightly... Um, d- distant gaze sometimes to be able to um, uh, to, to be able to learn and, and, and to be able to care for patients but I think that something that medical humanities can bring so much to medical training and actually I think that we don't do it quite enough in, in medical schools is is to have that outlet to be able to connect with ourselves with our patients and I think that the literature for me and and, and obviously and obviously film and art are wonderful ways to be able to express those express those things that you we come into contact with so much during during our clinical work, you know, that as you were saying, the difficult decisions and the the yeah. things that we all absolutely struggle with. And I think that um, medical humanities in general can be j- j- just terribly therapeutic in a way, actually. 
<laughs> I mean, you've both mentioned medical humanities or health humanities as a, I mean, you use the word therapeutic, Georgia, which is an interesting word. And, and you've talked about teaching and learning. There are those working in the field who would say that's a very instrumental approach to the health humanities, um, perhaps health humanities scholars for whom it's not quite art for art's sake, but but the idea of the humanities as being in somehow in service to doctors and medicine. I mean, I certainly wouldn't want to imply that that's the main role. I think that, you know, as as an area of research, it's it's absolutely fascinating simply in its own right and there is absolutely nothing wrong with the idea of of of, 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 of academia and, and research in this area i suppose just as a clinician um we, we we appreciate it for some of its well perhaps you know perhaps uses and i and i think that um it can be also be terribly useful for, for patients as well actually to be able to you know the, the the art and music as 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 therapy and to be able to express some of those things I, I think that that can be terribly useful for patients as well. So even though it's absolutely wonderful to be able to have the, the research in its own right, to be able to apply that to um, you know the world of, of, of health and illness, I think is, is wonderful too. So I think that it, it doesn't need to be mutually exclusive. And I think that's one of the joys, isn't it, of this, both the field, but also of the journal, that actually there is space for the more applied or the the more utility-based approach for, for busy clinicians and, and others. But there's also a, a, an academic rigour and a space for the scholarly and the close reading and the careful and the considered approach. I and would love there to be a space for, for, for both. And I think that that's absolutely possible. And I think that could be so valuable to be and we could learn from from each side. Each side could learn from the other. And I think one of the things we've had in mind when we've been thinking about the composition of the editorial team is that actually we want those perspectives to be represented. So it's great. I'm with you two today. Uh, you're both clinicians. You are the two clinicians that we have on the team. But we also have Margaret Healy from the University of Sussex, who is a literary scholar. Uh, we have Angela Woods from the Centre of Medical Humanities in Durham. We have Aisha Ahmed, who is our blog editor, um, Shelley Wall a visual artist from the University of Toronto and also Audrey Schaefer uh, from North America, a literary scholar. So we have the wide and diverse perspective and I hope very much that will help us as we develop the journal. What would you say to someone who perhaps is at the beginning of their career or, or maybe not at the beginning of their career, they might be well advanced in their career, but they're hearing about medical humanities and thinking, well, you know, that's, that's interesting, but where do I go? How do I get a grip of this thing um, and begin to explore it. There's a lot of scope to um, to explore on, on the internet. So, for example, the Journal of Medical Humanities, a lot of the archives are, are available absolutely free online and easy, easy to find and easy to search. So that would be something that's somewhere that you could start. The Wellcome Trust does absolutely wonderful work in this area. And so to be, I mean, I spend quite a lot of time there when I'm in London. I, I think it's a, a tremendously valuable resource. Um, and, and I think that there's there's so much that can be learned from, from, their, um, from their work. And so that's somewhere else that I'd really recommend. And and, um, and also, I suppose that, you know, in terms of medical humanities, particularly from the literature side of things, I think that sometimes it's a journey that someone has to take with themselves, really, to be able to, to discover what they what they like and what they can get out of um, of literature. So um, get reading. <laughs> Excellent. And Khaled, where would what, you point people? What I would say is, is to um, keep an open mind and, and, and look at various forms of, of, of uh, arts and artistic expression in terms of music, dance, 
literature, poetry. In the UK, there's lots of uh, events and conferences uh, focusing on, on, on medical humanities, but I think we should not, again, dismiss the international perspective and the wealth of uh, of work that is, is, is available in terms of arts and humanities from Africa and from Asia and so forth. So you've both recommended great resources and of course there are also master's courses, aren't there? There are various master's courses around the UK and there are, as you, you've mentioned, conferences and events and lots of exhibitions and I think increasingly interesting third spaces that are existing. Um, what might traditionally have been called public engagement activity uh, where clinicians and patients and scholars and others will come together around around a theme. So it's a rich world to dive into. Absolutely. <laughs> so thinking ahead, if I were to give you an editorial magic wand, which I'm afraid I don't have, but if I did have such a thing and I gave it to you, what would you like to see? What one thing, I'm going to pin you down to what one thing you'd most like to see the journal begin to do or offer or explore? Well, sort of building on what you were just saying, um, I, I, I did a degree in international health uh, when I was a student at UCL and I developed from that a, a real passion for learning much more about the wider world that we don't necessarily always come into contact with within medical education and it's an area that's that's underappreciated absolutely and so I would love for there to be a, a more global health perspective hearing some of those voices that we that we don't necessarily um, you know come into contact with uh, a lot so for example there could be um, special issues about um, migration about refugees and asylum seekers about human rights about conflict, about poverty, all of those things um, would I think would be a, a a wonderful thing to explore, as well as as obviously you know not just not just a global health perspective, <laughs> but that could just be one area. And I think that fits perfectly with, in fact, the theme of the last AMH, the Association of Medical Humanities Conference that I attended, uh, where one of the themes was. Uh, about expanding and recognising that medical humanities had traditionally been quite Western, quite Eurocentric in its approach, probably quite UK and North America centric. So I think there is something about that. I think the other thing that that offers is the opportunity for us to think a little bit about disciplines that have perhaps been underrepresented. So the social sciences, geography, cultural anthropology, those those sorts of uh, ways of thinking about healthcare that go beyond the book, the film, the the product, if you like, which which is Sounds exciting. Wonderful. Khaled, yeah. what about you? I think, I think yes, it, it, building on from, from the special uh, theme I- issues, I think having all those people that width and, and, and breadth of the of the specialists and people that we can engage uh, with under the umbrella of medical humanities, having a forum to to bring those people together. For, Perhaps a conference where the uh, where Medical Humanities Journal is the sponsor is the invites uh, UK-based speakers, international speakers, and using that, including uh, hearing the patients' voices as well, creative and engaging students as well. So I think Medical Humanities can journal can bring all these uh, people together. 
So, gosh, that's quite a wish list and quite a challenge for us. But the journal situating itself really in bringing together a sense of community, maybe thinking more imaginatively about who's in that community and actually looking to the horizons. I think leadership, a role around leadership um, within the health humanities and being a place that people will find exciting work. They will find work that they want to read about, that they want to be part of, to which they want to contribute. Um, with that in mind, I am guessing that if anyone listening to this has an idea or has an interest in writing a review or contributing or submitting work, you would each be very <laughs> glad to hear from Absolutely. them. Is that right? Absolutely. We're more than happy to, to, to consider uh, and, and uh, encourage people to submit uh, either academic work, reviews, uh, or personal views on, on issues related to humanities in its broad Great. sense. Great, so there is a call to arms. Absolutely. If you are interested, you are very, very welcome. All the contact details for the journal and for the members of the editorial team are on the homepage of the journal. We could continue talking, but unfortunately we can't um, because we are short of time. So I just want to finish by saying that thank you to Georgia and thank you to Khaled for thank coming you to today. It has been <laughs> fantastic to have you in the studio and particularly to take part in this first podcast. You'll be part of posterity by having been round here, which is wonderful. Um, I hope very much that you've enjoyed listening to and meeting, albeit in your ears, Georgia and Khaled. We are going to continue the podcast and what we have coming up is a series of podcasts covering a range of different subjects. So if you are interested, for example, in visual arts, visual artists and the work that's going on in healthcare settings around the visual arts, we have a podcast for you coming up in a few months' time. We'll also be bringing you a podcast straight from the conference of the Association of Medical Humanities, which takes place in Southampton in June. So if you're there, we would love to meet you. We'd love to talk to you. If you're not going to be there, we hope we're going to make it possible for you to get a sense of what goes on there. And there'll be a podcast links to our next text-based issue of the journal, which comes out in June. So please subscribe, join us, dip in, dip out, and we would love to stay in touch with you. And thank you for listening. Bye-bye.